0: Hi, welcome back to The CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. Now, culture is a word that was barely, if ever, bandied about amongst tech leaders and their teams five or so years ago, despite its addition to the broader corporate HR playbook sometime before then. Now, however, and especially after the experiences of last year, culture is a serious concern for CIOs looking to build the right teams that are capable of working together effectively to solve the biggest challenges facing their organizations and, of course, averting project failures. But how do CIOs actually achieve this? What things need to be considered in creating small or entire teams from screening to hiring, mentoring, and even firing? And where does diversity fit in? Our first guest is Johnny Serrano, who is Group of Global CIO with Ground Probe as a, a technology company that specializes in digital solutions software for the mining industry. Johnny, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks for having me, David. Now. I understand that that culture is is something that's very much front of mind for you in in building this um, innovation uh, framework for for Grand Prep. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, look, I think innovation culture is probably even more important today. During the time of COVID, we've all had to pivot, and and you know all of our I guess our business models, or even how we're supporting our customers, had to change. So, mm. I've just always been fascinated by. New technology, and I've always been, you know, fascinated by that, and I try to instill it in my team. and, and Innovation, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about, and one of the things that I did in essentially was establish this innovation framework for my team. It's more about shifting their thinking yeah. and more of a mindset change. Yeah. Um, and really, the framework, what it does, is a simple way of saying there are some rules and some guidelines for that that you know to help you. Enable enable this change, yeah. and you know essentially provide an area, or provide a dedicated time, a dedicated dollar limit where they don't have to seek approvals. Because sometimes people talk about innovation, but you know there's still that I have to get approvals to innovate, and I think you stagnate innovation when you um, start limiting people. Mm. So not ha- having a dollar limit where they can stay within that and do whatever they want to at yeah. any time that they feel that they need to. Yeah. I think it's more about just go and innovate, just go and do it. Yeah. Um, stop talking about it and go and get it done. And and I think that then also means that, you know, if there are ideas that are bigger or need more more money, then, you know, we'll go through the normal business process to get sponsorship um, and go through all the normal I guess, that every company has in in getting large or CapEx money approved. But initially, it's about changing that mindset. How can I improve what I'm doing? Because, you know, I just feel that a lot of times we're all too busy to look at something or or make a change, um, you know, to go back and change things because we're just too busy. And this is a way of of enabling that to get done quicker and, and get some quick wins.
0: So you're creating a more you're creating a more sort of open and inclusive environment for innovation. Effectively, aren't you?
1: That's right. You know because I believe that you know the thing about innovation is we can't just only celebrate our, our wins. We also need to celebrate our failures. That it's okay to fail. You know, my one of my favorite quotes is always you know challenge the status quo, and if you're going to fail, make sure you fail fast. And <laughs> that to me is more about it's a mindset. You know, it's about give me. I am free to go and try something and see if that works. And if it doesn't work, that's completely fine. I've still achieved something.
0: And have you got an example of, of of something that's come out of this this framework that you've that you've been describing?
1: Yeah, definitely. We've got plenty. I've yeah. actually got two. I probably want to highlight. You know, yeah. One's a really simple a uh, simple one where we, you know, someone in my team went and. Uh, did some research, and uh, due to a, an issue that kept on occurring, that was being highlighted to them in in their part of the world. So they're from a, I have a global team from a um, from a different region, and you know his users were saying this is continually happening to us. It's impacting us. It's impacting us. That our customers are also, you know, um, letting us know. So he went off and it, part of this innovation. And found a twenty-dollar piece of software that he believed would actually resolve the issues and and provide um, our, our people with mm. information to provide to our customers. And this what, this one piece of software resolved all of our issues, which you know we probably saw you know fifty to a hundred tickets raised um, weekly. Um, you know where someone had to investigate and go and actually provide sometimes just information. Mm to our team on the ground. So the resolution time of our people being able to speak to our customers was now instant because they didn't need us. They didn't need to involve us. Yeah. Um, it also then impacted my team where we're no longer spending our time having to investigate 50 to hundred tickets for the same thing that, you know, uh, potentially keeps on occurring again and again and again. And mm. um, but a $20 piece of software gave us that efficiency and, and so, you know,
0: yeah. So this, this framework is is something that um, that you developed for, to basically to bring to, to to bring together your entire global tech team, right? And 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 encourage people from all quarters. I mean, Grant Grant Pro operates in pretty much you know every corner of the globe, don't you?
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and really, I think you're you hitting the nail on the head there. That it was really about trying to get. It doesn't matter, you know, where you are in the world. It doesn't matter what language you speak and the different cultures. There's that diversity there that we can use to our advantage. To me, that's really something that, you know, it's an opportunity to bring in and, and have that different viewpoint from, you know, not just one set of peoples, but different type of people. There's probably a different viewpoint that I'm not seeing, that we're not seeing in one region that another region might actually go, well, this is actually more beneficial. So it's about bringing in all these viewpoints so that we can actually achieve yeah. uh, an outcome that's actually going to work, a solution.
0: Yeah, and these are people from, you know, every conceivable kind of, you know, cultural and linguistic background as well. So that's that's obviously pretty key too.
1: That's right. You know, like there's, there's plenty of, you know, here in Australia, we, you know, we have different type of, I guess, you know, how we work and different standards. And we, we, we sometimes can forget that, you know, in, in different parts of the world, there's, you know, things like there's not always constant electricity. Yeah. You know that the the you know the internet uh, potentially you know runs at different speeds yeah. or is not as reliable, and so this just means that there has to be other ways, or, or there is opportunity to to innovate and make things more reliable and maybe even more efficient that we can learn from here as well. So.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting for someone like you being a CEO and you're a young CEO in 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 a, in a large global organization. Um, and in a very traditional um, industry as well, not well—not the software side of it, but the fact that you 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 know you service the mining industry, very traditional industry, that um, you know the the, the IT function has uh, until very recently been you know literally and figuratively back end, and that has sort of cultural challenges itself, doesn't
2: it?
1: Definitely, uh, Look for me, it's it's like I said, it's one of the first things that I, that you know. Uh, having worked in IT, you know, for such a long time—fifteen, twenty years—you know, I've been there myself, where the IT is stuck in the dungeon room at the back, and you know, no, no one really knows where they are. Sometimes they're in a different, different building mm. to the rest of the to the rest of the business. Mm. And and I always thought, wow, if, you know, I, there's always this new emerging technology that you know that you know we could bring to the business. And I said, how how am I going to do that? And one is, I think this innovation framework. Um, it is a way to do it, but, you know, I think the lack of not being involved has risen to, you know, all these things that we talk about, the rise of shadow IT, mm. you know, technology, technology decisions being made without IT, you know, mm. the, the number of times I've heard that, you know, here, you know, there's a piece of software that the business has bought and now has just given it to IT mm. to deliver and they, they know nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, I think trying to break down those cultures is is really one is innovation framework helps, but you've got to start building some trust. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got to start in, for me, it's about prioritizing based on business value, Mm. not technical value. You know, Um, the other thing is, is, you know, embedding your team into other departments where they're starting to be seen. They're starting to be seen as people who have solutions and, and answers and, you know, you know, wants to start, getting that you start to build the momentum in changing and being you know brought in early and not brought brought in towards the end and once you can start doing that i think you know you you also as a team start to find or hear about business problems and you know we we, we've technically become technology consultants within our own organization
3: where,
1: where where we're bringing saying well we'll find the right technology to fix this problem for you Mm. and it's a business problem which you know generates revenue which affects our customers or even in the case that in in the case of covid Mm. you know has completely changed how
0: we operate it has yeah and of course you've got that you know that perennial uh, challenge of bridging the the culture of, of of the it people and the rest of the organization and of course, cultures cultures are different within sales and other and, and other administrative divisions within organisations. You know, there's always been that sort of perennial challenge of bridging those sort of those that divide. Do you think that cultural gap between IT and the broader organisation has been narrowed? it's um, probably a rhetorical question. It probably has greatly been narrowed because of of COVID. Oh,
1: look, hundred percent. I think that's probably what's it's forced it to. Yeah. You know, I think COVID COVID has just forced. Or accelerated, I hear it all the time. It's accelerated, you know, that that to occur. And what for me, what I see is that you know, it's exactly what what for me I, what I was trying to instill and trying to bring is to ensure that everyone has that mindset of working with each other, yeah. cross collaborating with the expertise in different areas. We're not we're not all going to be experts. Like I'm not going to be an expert in marketing, yeah. so therefore we're going to need the marketing experts. Yeah. Um, when you when you are trying to change and bringing that all together, so we can come up with solutions that are creating a business value, and I think COVID has forced that upon businesses to say, you know, we are the world has changed, everything has changed. We've now got to come up with a way or work together to essentially, for some businesses, survive.
0: Yeah. And I also understand that you're you're involved with the the Inclusion and Diversity Council. If we're talking just sort of segueing from um, professional diversity to sort of cultural and gender diversity, you're fairly actively involved in that group as well, I understand.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a a, a big passion of mine. And, you know, again, I think that's, again, coming from the innovation piece because I believe that through diversity, whether it be, you know, gender diversity, cultural diversity, or, you know, even, you know, the age age diversity as well, that there's different viewpoints. There's different things that everyone can bring to the table. I don't know how many times I've been in in, in meetings myself or in, you know, design workshops where you've got a, only a certain type of of people and experts in there, and someone else walks in, starts listening, and goes, puts the dots together, and goes, "Why don't you guys just do this?" Mm. And it was in right in front of everyone's face the whole time. And you know, why didn't we think of that? Yeah. And that to me is the diversity piece because the diversity piece is bringing in a different point of view from a different culture, from a different region, from a different gender or, or whatnot and actually saying, you know, you know, this is a, probably the easier way to do it. It doesn't always have to be the most technically most complex solution to achieve your goals.
3: Mm. Not-
1: and so the, my, my work with the National Diversity and Inclusion Council is is obviously about bringing that to the front and, and making it more visible, but explaining to or sort of highlighting the benefits of that. And so recently we we've released a, a sort of a reference guide into how to start because there's so much talk about, yes, we want to get this done, but how do I start and how, how do we even do this? So we've released a bit of a reference guide so that wherever you are on this journey, there's material, there's toolkits available. For you to um, start using yourself and to also start measuring in on your journey.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting as well I mean, for you when you, um, you know, you come from a, a non you know Anglo background. You're from El Salvador, and you manage um, a global a global team. So in a way, for you, every day is almost a sort of. You know, emphasizing and, and demonstrating the value of diversity because by default you are sort of looking over, looking after a very diverse global tech team.
1: Oh, definitely, and I think that's really been a you know, I am I'm so grateful that that's given me that insight, and, and I've been able to see the you know the the opportunity that is delivered to not just Ground Pro but you know to myself in in general to to work out how we can transition and what we can do because a lot of the times, you know, we get some feedback from different areas or, for, or from different people and, and, and saying, so I think, you know, Apple, Apple is probably the, the, the example people always use, but, you know, they're all, we all use Blackberries, you know, and, you know, and, and the Apple phone came out and, you know, just made it, the different point of view that made it for everyone else is, yeah. is where we are today. And yeah. I think that's exactly the same type of logic that we try, that we, that I try to use here um, in, in the tech. Because, you know, I know when I started off in technology, I, I, I always wanted to, to use the latest technology, the latest emerging technology. And sometimes in, in my career, I found myself nowhere near that. I found that I was stuck, you know, working on coax networks. Mm. I was stuck you know working on old technology and maintaining that yeah and whilst it's essential you need to do a lot of those things I think our world especially today is just accelerating faster and faster and it's just moving and moving and moving quicker yeah. and it's about that adaptability to me so
0: yeah well Johnny thanks thanks so much for sharing those insights and, and also um, something I forgot to say at the beginning of the conversation um, congratulations for your your stunning result in the CIO 50 last year.
1: No, thank you. You know it was it was an honour to be, especially in the in the year of COVID, with a lot of those um, <laughs> health departments and, and all that. Um, being in the top ten, I, I was extremely happy happy being included in there. <laughs>
0: yeah, congratulations again. And uh, look, we again, yeah, thanks for sharing those insights with this Very very important conversation that's ongoing, and we uh, look forward to having you back on the CIO show soon.
1: Thank
4: you, David. We enable any organisation to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers, connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organisation.
0: Joining us now is Nicole Gorton, who's the APAC Director for Recruitment Consultants, Robert Half. Nicole, welcome back to the CIO Show.
2: Thank you very much for having
0: me. Now, there's some pretty compelling statistics around at the moment, sort of um, emphasising this connection between cultural inclusivity and diversity and, and real improvements in terms of performance and innovation.
2: There, there absolutely is. And there's um, the, the one that stands out the most to me is the uh, a McKinsey report recently talked about uh, the retention can increase yeah. within an organization by 48% when diversity exists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is, that's huge in itself, right? And then when that diverse group of people, that employee, uh, Workforce is included. You mm. create uh, an inclusive environment. The impact is a, r- a real highlight as well. 21% increase in performance, productivity, and innovation. Uh, and, you know, that it's created through, really, when you get a diverse group of people, gender diverse uh, elements of diversity, of course. But, mm-hmm. you know, talking talking about gender here, it's... Um, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's just, international-
0: we just just had international women's day on on monday
2: exactly mm-hmm. international women's day week month so through <laughs> when when you get that that diversity of thought and that respect around diversity of, of thought uh, through including that diversity of thought and solutionizing and coming up with here's what we think but what is a better way? How could we do this better, particularly within the technology industry? Yes. How could we do this better? How could we become more efficient and more creative? How can we get this up into the cloud? How can we roll out this uh, digital platform? Right. What is it that we need to do to be able to achieve our desired result as an organization for our customer base? And, and by doing that, there is true performance uh, increases.
0: I mean, a twenty twenty percent plus increase in performance, productivity, innovation—that is not a trivial number, is it?
2: It isn't, and there are the benefits of yeah. when you have a when you have a culture that has this uh, this real inclusive environment with a diverse, gender diverse workforce. You do start to get. Um, some real knock-on positive knock-on effects within the organization of what you can achieve. Yeah. And I think the benefits can sometimes be uh, not thought out when you're in the hiring process. Yeah. and you're you' know, you're, you've got a, a project that you need to achieve, you've got a backfill of vacancy and you're thinking, wow, how do we how do we get this skill set on board? Yeah. This is what my backyard looks like today. I need to hire and i need to hire somebody and i'm looking at the job description i'm looking what at what we need and very fixated on those skills and the technical skills and attributes uh qualifications Mm. and so we can get caught up in that versus truly what do we need to do to uh get a more of a a diverse workforce
0: now this conversation about about culture in in the business world generally how long do you think we've been having it for seriously what are you reckon about a decade or even less than that
2: yeah feel, well gosh it feels like we've been having it for a really long time well, i know but the, the reality it's not that is long really, I don't think. it probably isn't um you think about how fast technology moves i do feel like mm. that creating a you know an environment of of gender equity in our workplace is it's a slow burn, right? I think yeah. it's going to take a long time. That's okay. Awareness has increased you know, x percentile points, like it really has. However, yeah. the action around it is taking a long time. Yeah. Uh, the education, the implementation of what that self-learn uh, aspects are are taking time because we're all under pressure to perform, and so you tend to revert back to when I'm hiring or when I'm promoting. Looking at what is the safest bet, and often it is hiring against a mini me. Mm. What am I? What am I go to? Or what was the previous incumbent like? Mm. They worked. We'll just do another one of those. Mm. And so versus go a little bit more unsafe Mm. uh, and hire on what we call um, the the potential strategy, which means you've got to look at the job description, look at what you actually need, and go. You know what? What can we forego here because we can upskill.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Me. I just got a st- disturbing visual from uh, from Austin Powers. Then, <laughs> but I take but I take your point. Um, but there's also there's also what CIOs uh, you know think about and look for in during the recruitment recruitment process. I mean, the natural tendency, and, and this is the tendency that's existed. You know, for since since the IT industry began, or the IT, IT department began as a thing, is to focus very much on you know on the technical capabilities of the candidate, um, and that's and that's perhaps there's perhaps been too much emphasis on that. I think.
2: Yeah, because when we're at 2021, mm. the, uh, our uh, salary guide is just. Come out, and basically, it highlights that thirty percent of CIOs plan to add extra technical professionals into their um, IT departments. Yes, and so that thirty percent increase in headcount, yeah. they they're under pressure. They're under pressure to perform yes. uh, in you know in all of those stratospheres of technology that hit the organisation, uh, and you know particularly as it relates to you know, data analytics, uh, particularly as it relates to getting um, up the, everything up into the cloud, particularly as it relates to cyber security and protection. And so this translates to we need people mm. and we need people with, with certain skill sets as we, uh, you know, make help the business grow uh, and develop and um positive outcomes for the organization, what's this backyard that I have look like? And so in this hiring process, really, it comes down to, yes, I need these technical skills, but on top of that, given that we know the benefits of having a diverse workforce, what else do we need for this function to work well? And it comes a lot down to some of the soft skills, logical problem solving, communication, innovation, relationship building, Temperament. um, yeah, yeah it, it's, yeah. you know, there are yeah. other elements that, that come to play, um, to deliver, uh, in so many aspects within that technology stratosphere.
0: And coming back to international women's day slash week slash month makes me laugh actually because all, all my, all my female friends know that, um, they don't have a birthday. They do have a birth birth week. Anyway, um, it's being said. Mm. But we're talking about women in in the tech sector. Um, proportions are sort of hovering around sort of just over over twenty percent. Obviously, you know a fierce ongoing debate about about why that is. Um, do you know what? What are your thoughts about um, how CIOs should be thinking about that that gender balance within this broader conversation of, of culture within their tech teams?
2: yeah I think that there's an opportunity. and and I do say that genuinely an opportunity for our CIOs uh, within uh, our Australian economy to work very closely with the the educators of uh, within universities, within schools, and to help increase that level of awareness mm-hmm. and touch points to have a, an element of encouragement. For females to enter into that uh, tech, uh, that tech space, wow. what they can do, what they can achieve, and it, it is a, cha- a changing and a, an evolving um, career path as it relates to more women coming into the forefront of that. However, it's still not enough, and I think that. It will. It, it, the only way that we can genuinely do it is to get behind uh, and encourage and empower uh, females within the schools and, and um, post school qualifications. Mm.
0: I, th- I think it's interesting that you know this in the context of discussing the you know the actual skills and qualifications that a candidate. Um, has on their CV. And, and as, as we know, any, as anyone who's read anything about, you know, gender differences will, will understand, is that women are far more likely to downplay their 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 capabilities and their skills whilst men are more likely to do the opposite and it's interesting to contemplate that in the context of that conversation where CIOs looking to, to hire specific skills there might be a case of um you know is there a greater risk that with male candidates that they would be exaggerating what they're uh, capable of doing whilst women conversely are, are downplaying it <laughs>
2: Potentially, you're, you're always going to get <laughs> um, anyway.
0: spectrums. Yeah.
2: You're always going to get spectrums of that. So mm-hmm. within that, but as a definitely is a generalization, you will find that women will not back themselves and put themselves forward mm. uh, for a, a career change or a promotion mm-hmm. as readily as men will, who are seeking out, a, very visible around seeking out, and transparent around seeking out a, a, a pay rise for example. And what do I need to do in order to get that pay raise I need to take on extra responsibility. I need to be seen to be doing this. And so there, as a generalization goes, uh, and that's not for everybody, not for every female. You will get females that that do form that. As we know, uh, just as it relates to CEOs, you know, it was 8% of our ASX Two hundred were females. It's now down to five percent. So already we're seeing that you know one person leaves it impacts the uh, the percentiles. But we we know that not everybody's going to be a CEO. That's okay. Mm. How do we get women to reach their full potential? How do we get more women? Uh, enter into the uh, into technology, and how do we retain them? Yeah. Particularly as you know, many women want to go on maternity leave. What's our uh, our approach? What's our culture of our organisation yeah. to hire and retain females in this space?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, going back to that statistic that you highlighted at the beginning of the conversation from McKinsey about the forty eight percent improvement in retention. Um, within teams where there is greater diversity. It stands to reason, doesn't it? Because you've got more people, whether they're women or people that have non-white backgrounds, other other ethnic backgrounds. If they're more likely to see people like them or, you know, not just being white males, it does stand to reason that they would be more likely to stick around.
2: They are, but further, furthermore, I think that when you have um a, a mix of people that get the opportunity to be included yeah. then regardless of who you are engagement increases naturally anyway mm-hmm. diversity a, a diverse mix of people helps but it's it's once you you create an inclusive environment that comes back to your culture and the knock-on effect of that is retention you retain your people and then you get you get better outcomes you get better you solutionize it around more robust you have more robust conversations to have better results Mm -hmm.
0: an important ongoing conversation nicole thanks so much for for sharing your insights with us and we look forward to having you back on the show again soon i look forward to it thank you very much for having me our final guest for this episode is rowan dollar who's head of innovation with the public sector networks an accredited social enterprise Working with governments around the world to help improve decision making and outcomes for citizens, Rowan's also held senior several senior tech roles over the years, including being CIO with the South Australian and Northern Territory governments. Rowan, welcome back to the CIO Show. Well,
1: yeah, thanks, Dave. It's good to be back.
0: Matt, now we've we're we here a lot, and and you know, with our previous guests about how important culture is for success, but we wanted us to talk firstly about how culture is also really at the root of all failure.
4: Well, you know, a can of worms. Um, <laughs> culture is critical. That's
0: what we do here. You know?
4: yeah. <laughs> culture is critical. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and look, you know, there's the old saying that culture starts from the top, and, and it does, absolutely. Um, so, we, we, you know, in my time, why do we look at, at why have I seen projects, um, particularly projects, fail um, in organisations? Because most organisations kind of have their business as usual um, trundling along okay um, I'm not saying it's, it's fantastic but they kind of do the day-to-day stuff okay mm. but when they get something that happens out of the ordinary or, or a project yeah. that's when you you see the organization under stress and that's when culture comes to the fore. Mm. If you're um, you know in my experience most organizations have um, when it comes to project reporting we have the the, the, some of the greatest fiction ever written which is called a project status report and, and it is nearly it is nearly always green yeah um we have this green mentality mm. that everything has to be green and the minute it's not green we have a huge panic yeah and the poor old project manager gets jumped on from very great heights, and make sure that all of the projects going forward um that, that he or she writes uh, green from that point forward. Yeah. What I do is build that culture uh, around uh, honesty and transparency mm-hmm. and openness. Um, I, I tell people that I have an open door policy and that I don't shoot the messenger their words. what you need to do is put those into action so that when someone one of, one of your staff regardless of whether they're a senior manager um, or, a, or a you know a first day help desk person, When they come along to you with a problem and say, hey, there's a problem here, instead of shooting them and moving on, you deal with the problem and you build that trust and awareness that you actually want to um, help people and fix what's going on. And then people feel comfortable coming forward um, with those issues that you need to deal with. So you do away with the green reporting mentality Mm. and you get a real reporting mentality, which is really important. Don't tell me what you what you think I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. And that's, not, that's, that's often the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and that could be in the one status report. But it's better to know that in a status report before it goes on the front pages of, of you know, the advertiser or the Australian yeah. um, a, as, a, as a huge blowout. And, and that's a cultural thing. Um, that psychological safety is absolutely critical to any organisation that is really um, uh, about... Are delivering something to a customer and, and David that's every organization whether you're public or private yeah. you are delivering something to somebody yeah. um, and that's that, that, that culture of of, of, um, uh, of trust and, and and inclusion and and really psychological safety for everybody involved yeah. is absolutely critical without it, um, you're, you're just going to be in a whole world of pain mm. every day of the every day of the year.
0: What 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 do you mean by psychological safety?
4: That people feel safe to say what they think and to act how they they would normally act,
0: uh-huh. um,
4: and that their opinion and their opinion and
0: is valued. There's a radical ideas here, Rowan.
4: Well, <laughs> it, it it's often talked about, and it's often not done very well at all. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, you know, got, I just, got just, I've just got this sort of. Almost,
0: I I've almost got this comedy sketch scenario in my head now, where one IT guy looks at another IT guy and says to him, really tentatively, really sheepishly, like, "I'm, I'm thinking of maybe making this green light a red light." <laughs> <laughs> it's <almost laughs> and it's a like serious that. decision. <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and look, it, it really yeah. is—it really is like that in lots of organisations. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that there'll be lots of your listeners that will stand there, and and they'll be they'll be rabid in there. It doesn't happen in our organisation. Yeah, well, I bet you it does. Yeah, and I bet you it does all the time. Mm. Um, think about think about you know all of the sign-off processes, right? So if you think about just think about your your, your, your procurement system, right? Mm-hmm. You walk through the procurement. You say to your people, I'm going to get an approval from procurement. Rather than say, let's manage the risk through procurement, you're going there with an expected outcome. Mm. You're expecting an approval. Um, Rather than um, having procurement, uh, not live in that black and white world, have procurement or risk or whoever it happens to be, Mm actually become part of that program and that project because if you're talking about inclusion and when we're having these cultural conversations people do talk about inclusion um and 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 and, uh you know in in this case inclusion in a project team or a major strategic piece of work is about getting all of the important stakeholders around the table Mm. you know you should have risk there you should have uh, uh you know procurement there you should have um, you know, HR sitting around the table. Um, you, you should have those, those stakeholders are really important. Yeah. But ultimately, you need to put the customer at the centre of your organisation, what it does and how it does it, how your systems are organised, how your policy and process is written and, and, and deployed should be all about what you're doing for the customer. Mm. And then if you've got the customer sitting around the table, and you've got your organisation sitting around the table, you'll end up thinking much better about the customer than you would have otherwise, because otherwise you're just thinking about your organisation. Yes. You're not thinking about the customer, and yeah. that's where it all starts to fall apart.
0: What's interesting in the, in the context of some of these, you know, spectacular project failures, you, you talk about the, the major newspapers, the sorts of failures that, that have been worthy of the front pages of the dailies. So, for instance, Brisbane City Council, Technology One, and they're, you know, they're, not, they're, they're one of several that really, you know, once people have picked through the entrails or done the post-mortem, um, there, you know, there really has been a, a disconnect, a communication disconnect, a cultural disconnect between the customer and the vendor right from the beginning, right?
4: Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, you know, you um, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, at it's important now. I mean, in COVID, for example, um, this concept of a supply chain is, is becoming front-page news, right, with with, with all of the, the issues with um, supply of, of vaccines. Yeah. But really, you also need to be looking at your um, your supply chain as a CIO or, in fact, a CEO and, and looking at whether the organisations that you're contemplating doing business with are, in fact, organisations you want to be doing business with. Yeah. Do their cultural values, the ones they actually walk, not the ones they talk about, but the ones they actually walk Are they the ones that you want to be involved in? Um, Are they people you actually want to do business with? Um, Do they take you seriously? Does does your business align with how they do business? Mm. Um, And that's really important. And and if you've got a major project going on, um, all too often, and, and in, you know, I, I get, I'm not intimate with the the, the Brisbane um example you, you gave. I mean, I mean that I only mean, know what I've read. Yeah. But most often, the managing directors or the chief executives only ever meet each other across the courtroom floor. Yeah, right. Man. That's that's not a that's not a real good relationship. <laughs> um, and I, I think I think there needs to be a much better, higher level engagement. Yeah. If you're bringing a vendor in, um, you need to understand that, 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 you know, you've got good relationships, not just a working relationship on the factory floor, as it were, mm. but up in the, the higher echelons of the organisation. And, and, you know, uh, you know it's, it comes down to risk management. Mm. Um, if you're sitting there um, with a big problem, as far as you're concerned, but you're only a tiny little uh, customer buried down in, in, a, in a, you know, an APAC regional account somewhere, um, you probably want to know that before you start handing over a billion dollars worth of project yeah. Um so that you you, you know you, and if you're you know if the project's not big enough for, for your managing director and their managing director to have a conversation on a reasonably regular basis yeah. you might think about picking another vendor because the cultural change the cultural differences will be too great yeah. um in, in in foul weather you know in fair weather they might be okay yeah. you can get around some of these things but in foul weather. Um, you're going to have a real problem. Yeah.
0: And what do, what should CIOs be thinking about doing and acting um, to affect, you know, cultural improvement within their teams? I mean, we've talked about the, the fact that, um, you know, for many years now and for someone like you, I mean, you've probably seen so many um you know customer so um a staff surveys kind of you know being done and then shelved and nothing acted on it you probably rolled your eyes enough to send yourself blind what i mean obviously ineffective almost comically so these days what what can cios actually practically do to um you know get a do do a better sort of mood audit for want of a better term of their of their teams and 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 take action where it's where it's required or at least identify where there where there might be problems within their own teams
4: um, well, yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting point you bring up. I mean, customer, uh, sorry, um, staff stat surveys have been mm. around forever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you one, know. One, I, one I, of the
0: great dust gatherers probably in, in the enterprise. Yeah,
4: <laughs> I, I think you, I think you're right. And I, I think, um, you know, whilst I've seen some good, um, some good platforms come out um, in the last couple of years doing staff surveys, um, that's not the problem. The problem is what the organisation does or doesn't do with the information that, um, that, uh, that comes out of that survey. Mm. So it's not about, it's not about the KPIs and the, you know, 72% of people are satisfied in their job. That's got almost nothing to do with it. Mm. Normally the detail is buried down in the comments, the comments. Yeah. And the problem with that is, is that if, if you don't have this culture of psychological safety, people are not going to write what you need to hear. They're going to write what, you know, you might get someone who will rant and rave, but we all know who that person is anyway, right? <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the, 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 the most people will just not say anything because they don't want to rock the boat. Mm. They don't want to jeopardize their mortgage payment at the end of the month. Yeah, right. If you've, crea- if you've created a psychologically safe environment to your IT team, they shouldn't need a staff survey to come and tell you what's going on. Yeah. You know, I've had people come to me uh, and, and talk to me about their mental health issues. I've had people come and talk to me about their family issues. Mm. I've had people come and talk to me because they were, um, you know, when we sent people home from, from COVID, I had someone come to me and my team and talk to me quite openly about the domestic violence issues that they were facing. Oh, God. Um, yeah. and, that's why, and, and that's why they needed to be at work. They felt safe at work rather mm. than working from home. Mm. So, so if you don't, if you haven't built that sense of psychological safety, yeah. those conversations will be missed. You'll never have those conversations, and they will never turn up in a staff survey. Yeah. Um, and all too often, you hear people banging on about, you know, here's the great results. We're reading the comments. They're fantastic. Mm. And nothing changes.
0: Pats on the back all around.
4: So, they papped, it's all ah oh, this is fantastic, we're yeah. doing really well. Yeah. What yeah. I did, um and and you know, I walked out and knew every single one of my team members on a first name basis. Yeah. I, I knew about their about their families, I, I you know, in, in many cases I knew the names of their children. Because all of that is important to building a relationship with the people you work with every day. Yeah. And if you're a CIO and you don't know who works for you, and you don't understand how they fit into their organisation, and importantly, how the organisation fits into them. Mm. You've got a real problem. You've got to you've got to build that sense of psychological safety. You've got to have an open door, um, and you've got to uh, build those relationships um, over time. We're all really busy. I used to take, uh, I used to book Friday out. Um, I made sure I didn't have any meetings on Friday every now and again. There was an urgent one that popped up, but generally speaking, Friday was free. I marked it as a staff day. And I spent the day on the floor yeah. and I, I met with staff and I talked to them and I, you know, we'd have an all staff meeting on a Friday and we'd you know, have some donuts on the on the on the, <laughs> the, yeah, the morning tea, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was all about getting the team together. Yeah. And I, over time, um, the, the conversations matured, that people were not afraid, even in a group of 50 people, to bring up issues that they thought were important that they may not in the past have brought up because they might have, uh, for whatever reason, that so they felt safe mm. in, in the workplace. So, so you know, th- th- it's very much a topic of, of, of uh, you know, the media, particularly at the moment, um, about, you know, safe workplaces for, for varying reasons. Mm. Um, and psychological indeed, safety is indeed. super critical. Yeah. If you don't feel mentally safe at work, your your work is going to suffer, and you will suffer long term, mm. and and that's the that that's the key, and that's why I kind of keep banging on about psychological safety because it's so important. Um, building your building your uh, your teams' morale and all of that is fantastic, you know, going on your your, your Friday night drinks and your whatever, but that's just kind of oh yeah, ho, oh, um, we can all do that team building exercises. Mm. But really, when the chips are down, you want your staff to feel comfortable enough to be able to come to you. And, and, and deal with whatever problem is facing them, whether it be work-related or, or home or, mm. or anything else. It might be just that, you know, the crow's lost again. Yeah.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Uh, well put. Ron. thanks so much for that. Very, very, very important insights. And this conversation is obviously nowhere near over. We, um, we look forward to having you back on the CIO show soon.
4: Anytime, David. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. The fact email is still around despite the array of superior or arguably superior collaboration platforms available for little or even no cost is testament to its powerful legacy as the first true killer app. But if you spent any time using platforms like Slack, Monday Ascender, or of course the various dev-friendly collaboration options from Australia's own Atlassian, you'd have to agree that it doesn't seem so killer now. For CIOs, it's nothing short of a paradigm shift to abandon email in favour of SaaS-based communication platforms. But that's what many are doing. We'll be talking about this seismic shift away from email to collaboration tools. Are they really that much better than email? What are the the pros and cons? What should CIOs be thinking about? We hope you can join us.